All right, so we're here today on the first episode of uh, the Duke basketball, whatever we're going to call it, Junkies, Homers, Assholes. Junkies or Homers. Yeah. Junkies. We're not thrilled with either name. Like pool hall junkies. Yeah. We're open to suggestions. All right. Uh, you can email us at uh, dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com with, uh, with names. We're happy to change the email address as well as the title of the podcast. Uh, I'm Mike Eckstedt, and this is Peter Rowe, and uh, we're coming to you live from Las Vegas. Um, and we have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to try to do it. Uh, there's not a lot of Duke basketball podcasts, and the only one that we really are aware of is Duke Basketball Report, which is very official and very professional. We're going to try to be the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Shire is an amazing podcast that he started this summer. I thought it was. I thought his stuff was good, and certainly for Duke basketball junkies, it's very good because we're talking about Duke basketball in the off season. It's incredible uh, access. I did, to these guys. Yeah, incredible ac- access. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say that his podcast is amazing. We may not be like a fine-tuned broadcaster, right? But you're talking about Shire. Yeah, but who cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You know, he actually knows about what he's talking about, unlike us. Mm, okay, fair point. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that we know we know more than than Coach K and all the guys. We're certainly going to express opinions uh, when we feel like they're wrong. But uh, <clears throat> and that's the other thing that we're going to do a little differently. We're not just going to, you know, uh, carry water for for the team and the coaches. We're going to actually try to give. Give some opinions. Give our, our, our true opinions, not like water it down. Uh, like you apparently hate John Shire. No, I didn't know I, that. I like John Shire a lot. <laughs> I just wouldn't say his pod, he's got a great podcast. I mean, it's yeah. certainly great. It's a great listen if you're a Duke fanatic, Duke basketball fanatic. I'm not sure anyone would say it's a great podcast. The highlight of the off-season podcast this year was when one of the new players picked him, <laughs> Crawford, on his all-time all-time NBA team. But I, I, I think there were a few who picked themselves for the Duke all-time teams, and it seemed like there was there was a very weak grasp of uh, Duke basketball history, and, I, and that's, that's fine. I mean, like, they're there for so short a period of time. Like, you can't really expect them to, to know how great Bobby Hurley was or, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fair. It's yeah. fine. Uh, <clears throat> overall, though, we, I, I really did enjoy the podcast, and uh, I hope he keeps doing it. Yes, uh, I concur. All right. So, um, what should we start with, Peter? Um, I would like to do a mental exercise. Um, I mean, we, we saw the first two games against Marist and Grand Canyon, but if we could maybe go back in time three weeks... Uh, this upcoming season was sort of a blank canvas. Like we weren't sure what was going to happen. So if we could go back in time three weeks to let's say mid to late October when we should have recorded this. Yeah, sure. If we had had our stuff together, like who did you envision the starting five would be like the the five primary guys for, for this Duke basketball team? Injury is not an issue. Yeah. Assuming, I mean, we, we knew Giles was injured, but assuming everyone's healthy, like who who's who's going to be the starting five? Anytime a guy is projected in the top five or ten of the NBA draft, you think 
there's a good chance they're going to be a starter. So, you know, Giles and Tatum, I imagine we're going to be the starters. Grayson Allen obviously has to start. Might be the best player in the country. Certainly the most confident. Um, Offensively, I think he's a defensively eh, sort of a swinging gate. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know about that. Yes, he's awful. He's a physical defender. Um, we'll have to argue about Grayson Allen later. Uh, I guess I, you know, I thought I thought Frank Jackson was going to start. Okay. Um, just watching his highlight reels, you know. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't sure. Uh, Luke Kennard, Matt Jones, Emil. Uh, I think Marcus Bolden also projected as a lottery pick. Top 10, I think. But I, it's hard to imagine them starting four freshmen in Grayson Allen. What, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, I, I, Emil is a senior and back for fifth year. I, I totally agreed with you on the first three. I think Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, and Grayson Allen for sure would be in the starting lineup. Um, given Coach K's um, preference for older players, um, I thought Emil Jefferson for sure. Um, and then the fifth spot was... Were we talking who he was going to start on day one? Because yes, day it's always one. a huge with senior every, preference. Yeah, with every class preference. Yeah, and then he develops it. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking even if everyone's healthy, like in February, who would be the the starting lineup? So I would go with those three plus Emil Jefferson, and then the fifth sort of had me scratching my head. Um, I thought um, again, Coach K with the senior leadership, I would say Matt Jones. Um, I mean, he is. I feel like Coach K sees him as just a, a big defensive stopper type of person, as well as a vocal leader on the court. Um, I thought Frank Jan- Frank Jackson, just because he could sort of be that point guard, maybe slash combo guard. Um, but it was really up in the air. If I had to guess, I would say probably Matt Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Matt Jones is a senior. He's won a national championship. He's a great defender, one of the best defenders in college basketball. So, you know, I guess if you started the four freshmen in Grayson Allen, you might have a defensive issue. Who knows? We don't know how these guys play defense. Obviously, they're all super athletic, but, uh, you know, we're not there in practice. We have no idea. We're just guessing. Obviously, injuries, like, alleviate having to make some of these decisions, so it's probably not a good thing, but uh, makes it a little easier for Coach K not to have to make, you know, sit someone on the bench that, like a Matt Jones. or uh, In the past, we've had guys sort of, seems like, almost a volunteer except see seniors who accept going to the bench. Uh, like Greg Paulus? Uh, like, was DeMarcus Nelson? Did he ever? No, I think he started. I mean, he was on some pretty weak teams his his last few years. Uh, Nate James. Nate yeah, James is Nate a, James. As a senior. He's like an incredible sixth man, like starts on every other team in college basketball. Mm, you know, maybe not okay. UConn that year, but... And now he's a coach, obviously. Uh, he was willing to subvert, like, you know, that was a year we had a bunch of talented freshmen coming in. A few years ago when we won the national championship with Okafor, Justice, and uh, Tyus Jones, those three guys all started. Did they start all year? I think they did, right? I think they did, yeah. Uh, 
But Quinn, Quinn Cook definitely took sort of the backseat in terms of his point guard duties, and he played off the ball. Yeah, but he started. Yeah. Somebody obviously, somebody must have uh, not started on that team. Um, yeah, Emil Jefferson started for the first half of the season, and then I think he took a backseat. Uh, I believed Matt Jones started. Yeah, I think Matt Jones and Mason Plumley or uh, Marshall Plumley came off the bench, but he was he had never been a starter up to that point. So I think we were just not as deep this year. What what stands out is how crazy deep the team is. We haven't mentioned Javon Delarier or Luke Kennard. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not room I, for everybody. I, I could definitely see Kennard starting. Um, the I feel like his skill set overlaps a great deal with uh, Grayson Allen, so I feel like maybe he would come off the bench. Um, but, I mean, he's certainly starter-worthy. Well, I think traditionally it's like the starter, being a starter is super important at Duke. Uh, being the first guy off the bench super important. Their leadership roles. Uh, if you have 10 deep, then you almost need two units. You know, it can be approached a little differently. Like at Kentucky under Calipari a couple of years ago when they almost went undefeated. I, I don't think he, I think he presented it to the team as not being like, you're the starters, you're the bench guys, you know, NBA players are coming off the bench. NBA players are going to come off the bench on this team, I think. Um, so it might not be, the distinction might not be that important. Yeah. You know, especially with the injuries now, but yeah, it definitely seems like Bolden and Frank Jackson and Luke Kennard, or will at some point come off the bench, and I certainly feel like at least the first two will be NBA players. Yeah. Well, I think Chase Jeter is going dead back to the bench, I imagine. Yeah. When these more talented freshmen get healthy. I, I don't think he'll play very much, even though he was, uh, against, especially against Maris, he was, I was really sort of blown away. I mean, it wasn't just like one lucky offensive move, but he had, you know, a handful of moves. But I just don't see him playing once uh, these when if the bigs come back and they're healthy, I don't see him playing at all. He was a total deer in the headlights last year. I felt bad for him. Yeah, he just didn't have confidence. Well, I mean, his balance seemed off. You yeah, know? like he just seems much more confident on his feet as an athlete. And that's a very yeah, that's a very common theme. I, I feel like with bigs, you know, they come in, they're just sort of uncoordinated. There's a lot of traveling calls, a lot of drop balls um i i sort of feel like in in those spots like if they would just continue to play they would play through it and get better but he obviously didn't get the playing time last year yeah i mean a lot of times uh, guys can't get off the bench at Duke because the other guys playing in front of him are so good last year we needed him and he just i thought he came up short a lot um you know he wasn't tricky with the ball he got a shot blocked a lot he um, didn't hang on to rebounds and had some defensive issues against, you know, older, stronger guys. But, hey, he's a kid, you know. Right. And, like, we're spoiled. We think everybody who comes in who has the label McDonald's All-American, you know, is going to be a lottery pick or a first-round pick after one or two years. And it's just not the case for everybody, right? Right. So, right. But, uh, yeah, he had 11 points and uh, eight rebounds against Marist. I mean, it was delightful to watch. <laughs> yes. Turned out Maris didn't have like a like a lot of uh, speed and size. And Grand Canyon actually had a much more athletic team. And he played 22 minutes in that game. And he didn't, you know. Do anything. He didn't He didn't uh, have a field goal. He 
had three points. He had four fouls, two boards. Uh, you know, that game isn't necessarily an indictment. I'm sure he has he has made progress, obviously. But, yeah, he's a guy who's obviously not keeping a starting job. Um, but we'll just have to see who gets healthy and how fast they get healthy. Yeah, and, and having said that, even though I'm saying he's not going to have any playing time for this majority of the ACC season, I'm glad that he stayed. I feel like he's I, – I wish Derek Thornton had stayed. Um, you know, opportunities come maybe later in, in their careers. I'm definitely happy Jeter's here. Jeter is here. Yeah, so the five upperclassmen started. They brought in uh, Frank Jackson and Deloria off the bench. Uh, really, Jackson's the only guy. Well, Jackson and Deloria both got minutes against Maris. Jack White's got some minutes, but against Grand Canyon in a slightly tighter game, really only Frank Jackson played. Uh, Deloria came in for like a minute in the first half. Like another minute in the second half before the very end. Uh, so, if so, Deloria may or may not be in the rotation this year. Uh, we'll see, I guess. But Frank Jackson's the the sixth, and then Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, and Bolden come back. That's nine guys. Deloria is the tenth, but all those guys are kind of kind of bigger guys. Uh, leaves Sean Obi out. You know, Vrankovic out, Jack White out from, you know, getting significant minutes. Uh, definitely got to earn your playing time this year if we get healthy. Yeah, I mean... Um, should, we, should we get into the Coach K not, not playing bench yeah, guys issue? Right, like, like I, I think this is a, a criticism of Coach K that we both share. He, he has all these great, talented players, but he... He tends to only have faith in seven, maybe eight of them when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to, you know, big time games. Um, and you saw that tendency in uh, in what I thought was sort of a ridiculous spot against Grand Canyon. It's the second game of the season. Um, surprisingly, Grand Canyon took an early lead, you know, maybe, you know, six, seven minutes into the game, they had the lead. And you saw Coach K not put in anyone. I mean, Frank Jackson was the only person he really trusted off the bench. And I understand winning this game and and all that, but it just sort of that's Coach K's tendency is to. Well, it's not winning the game; it's playing the perfect game. And if you, you know, if you didn't practice well enough, prepare well enough, or in the game make mistakes, and you're not one of his guys, you're coming out and he's not trusting you to put you back in. It's like uh, it's the you have to earn the minutes in practice rather than like grow players by feeding them minutes and developing your bench with on court time, which seems to be the way most other coaches tend to do it. It against Grand Canyon, we're up twenty five. We end up winning by thirty five. We're up we're up in the mid to high twenties most of the second half. There's ten minutes left in the game. Grayson Allen's still Grayson Allen played thirty seven minutes. Yeah. Grayson Allen's game doesn't need to be developed. I mean I don't care that much about the injury risk. I don't feel like guys get injured that often in games in those spots. But you got a young, you got Vrankovic, you got Delorier, you got Jack White, who could all use some minutes playing in Cameron Indoor. Like get some seasoning. These are the opportunities because later in the year, ACC games there aren't as many spots like this. I just don't get it. And we've talked about this over the years. One of the things as Duke alums and Duke fans that it, it, it's hard to reckon with. You know, 
uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get into it more. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like we we watch pretty much every game every year. Um, I feel like with this particular team, it's going to be deeper than any team that he's had in the past. But I, I really feel like uh, Jeter will not play. Um, I think Jackson will play, and then the three injured uh, freshmen will play. So it, I, I feel like when it comes down to it, like when we're playing UNC, when we're playing in the ACC tournament, we'll be eight deep if, if everybody's healthy. Um, and well, this will be the year to test it. We really shouldn't be seven or eight deep. Like yeah. we, we were 12 or 13 deep on guys that could play on other ACC teams. But here's a case where it's a you know low-pressure game at home against a relatively weak opponent and the minutes like it's an opportunity for these guys who might be buried 10 11 12 13 on the bench to actually get some time it's like a side benefit of the injuries right and there's no there's clearly no intention on the coaching staff's part i guess it's coach k he's the decision maker so we'll give him the credit to put these guys on the court let them play with some of the some of the upperclassmen leaders like yeah, Matt Jones and, and uh, Frank Jackson were there at the end. So, yeah, I mean Justin Robinson doesn't get in the game. Sean Obi doesn't get in the game against Grand Canyon even for a couple of minutes. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they're nursing injuries too. I remember Obi talked about being injured a little bit last, last year. year. Yeah. And they just never told anyone about it. So there's always like some mystery and camouflage going on. But uh, my all-time my all-time, uh, there's a couple, everybody has some of these, but, you know, I always talk about Marty Potius when he was at Duke. The guy would come in, look like, just, they'd bring the thunder and the lightning on offense, like, off the bench for three minutes, and they'd be out real quick because he wasn't a great defensive player. And if Coach K doesn't trust you on defense, you're not getting those minutes. And the guy goes on to become like a really good international player, yeah. performs well against the Dream Team, couldn't get off the bench any of the years he was at Duke for very much time. You know, maybe that's why Grayson Allen didn't get very many minutes his freshman years because maybe Coach K didn't feel like defensively he was quite there. Uh, but I actually, yeah, I agree with you. The counter-argument is like, oh, when I go to counter, Grayson Allen was ready because he had to really earn it and overcome that. But, uh, you know, another argument for another day. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the playing time, the, how the minutes are carved up. It's something to keep an eye out. On, um, yeah, yeah, uh, and then obviously next year a lot of these guys aren't going to be here. I mean, you know, Grayson Allen may or may not leave, but for sure Matt Jones, Neil Jefferson, it's their last year. At least two or three of these freshmen probably aren't going to be around next year. We could you could see six, seven, six or seven guys leave and one of the other arguments for playing these guys now as much as you can when you have opportunities like the Grand Canyon game is to be able to count on them next year be able to make sure that they come back next year yeah you know it's uh, right long term I think I think that's a big factor I also I always sort of play in my in my mind like I was sort of happy to see Coach K experiment in the first two games I mean he it looked like he was applying a full court press briefly. Um, it looked like he was using zone on defense, but especially when I feel like the bench is deep and talented, I sort of wish he would play around with, 
you know, implementing like a full court press and maybe tiring out teams that aren't quite as deep as us, you know, maybe lose out a little bit in terms of the quality of play with the number of guys we can, we can put out on the floor. Um, but yeah, I think we've talked about this. All right. It would be a So, uh, I guess, uh, what else should we discuss? The coaching staff is, uh, the same as last year. Um, it is the same with, I, I saw Nolan, Nolan Smith was on the bench now. And he was not, he was not in the system last year. I feel like he was, he was something he might've been like operations guy sitting sort of behind the bench. The guy they didn't have room for, but they intended to make room for. Right. And, and, uh, it's funny. I saw him on the bench with a little three by five index card with a pen in his hand. So it looked like he was keeping track of personal fouls, which was a job that used to be John Shires. But now I think that's Nolan's role. And maybe John is, uh, a little bit has maybe a little bit more responsibility in terms of just watching the game and, and in game strategy. It's good to see him. Big Nolan Smith fan. He he came up so big for that that other national championship team, the previous one. Yes, and just money player. And even the following year was was one of the all time years. I feel like the year that he shared with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I felt like he might have he might might have played well enough to consider getting his number retired, and you quickly called bullshit on it. <laughs> it's really hard to get your number retired at Duke, but he he exhibited such leadership and. Was such a go-to guy with the ball and just a lot of heart. It was probably his his sort of weak weak first two years at Duke that that cost him. But I, I his was junior and senior years were yeah, pretty incredible. I was I was supremely disappointed he didn't pan out in the NBA. Yeah, um, you know I, what else is going on that we need to just talk about? So the two games they went well. Everybody looked pretty good. Should we talk about players? How they looked? How we think they're developing a little bit? Guys that actually were on the court? Uh, sure. Let's start with Grayson Allen. Uh, I, I thought Grayson looked, you know, he, I mean, he's an amazing athlete, uh, really talented. He made some amazing, you know, physical plays. Um, he's, he's, How about that block? Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Uh, that, was a, that was a defensive block, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, yes, he's he's certainly capable of making amazing defensive plays. Um, I just feel like defensively he's not quite there. I felt like, especially against Maris in the first half, he was gambling way too much. And then it was a, it was basically five on four because he was overextended. Um, his, his offense is probably going to be great. I felt like it wasn't super efficient. You know, he missed a lot. He took a lot of shots to, to score the 20 points that he scored. Um, but I mean, he'll be, he'll be fine. I think he will, he'll be fine. I, I felt like in the second game against Grand Canyon, he, you know, he had the 10 rebounds, but it seemed like all the rebounds were just long rebounds that went right at him. Like he didn't do anything special. He just was well, that's sort a, of lucky. But that's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. That's one of the things Russell Westbrook does. You know, these guys that are just, they have their, they're looking out for the ball. They're, they're not just like letting someone else do the little things. Grayson Allen's doing the little things and the big things, right? That's why he reminds me a little bit of like a, like a mini, like a mini Christian Leitner, you know. You're talking about Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen, just the the leadership that really the chutzpah that he brings with him onto the court. Like he's doesn't back down from anyone. Yeah. You know, he's obviously not as 
Not as Lehner was incredible. He was a very unique college basketball player, one of the best of all time. I don't think Grayson Allen's that good. I don't think he is going to get that good. But I think he's. I think he maximizes his uh, his talent. He, nobody plays harder, and I don't remember anyone that gets to the line as well as he does, initiating contact and playing yeah. through it. Yep. Uh, you know, twenty years. I've. I guess it's been 22 years since I've went to Duke and uh, said, can you think of anyone like that? Who goes to the line? Gets to the line as much as Grayson Allen. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, he, he gets there, I think, like, what, six times a game? Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, a guard that, that initiated contact so well. Uh, Maybe Gerald Henderson because he attacked the room so much. Yeah, John Anderson deferred a lot, though. You know, um, Grayson, Grayson wants that ball. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to Grayson, I mean, another thought exercise I do is, like, how would things play out if he stayed all four years? Like, could he surpass J.J. Redick and his, and his uh, all-time scoring uh, record? Like, Grayson Allen's sophomore year was significantly better than J.J. Reddick's. His freshman year was significantly worse. Like right. Big significantly worse. Right. I mean, his usage rate last year was super high, but they needed him to do it. This year, he shouldn't be taking as many shots, but if these guys get healthy and get on the court, yeah. he should be, you know, spotting up and shooting and, and driving. and But also, you know, he should have a lot more assists this year, you know. Because yeah. we don't have, yeah. you know, Frank Jackson's coming off the bench. We don't have, we don't have a point guard starting really. Yeah, and um, he, even if Frank Jackson were to start, like he's not really um, a facilitating type of point guard. It seems like he's pretty aggressive. He looks for a shot, and uh, it doesn't seem like that point guard role is is going to be super defined. It just seems like they're going to be like four guys who are going to bring up the ball, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, Shashevsky does. Uh, talk about positionless basketball a lot and the ability to, to do more than one thing on the court. Uh, that said, most of our best teams have had have had that point guard, you know, whether it was Tyus Jones, Bobby Hurley. Yeah. You know. um, the 2010 team, I think, didn't. You know, Shire was the point guard, and he was never a point guard in high school or his first few years yeah, that's at true. Duke. Um, but I mean, my concern would be like if you if you face a team like Louisville or VCU when they had that vaunted defense, like you know who's going to bring up the ball? Like I'm not sure Grayson or Matt Jones or yeah, you know, some of these guys. Grayson's handle just isn't isn't that smooth. Really. Yeah, you know, and, and like all these guys when they're coming out of high school, I remember Luke Kennard was told by Coach K, "Listen, work on your ball handling, both hands, because the point guard duties are going to be sort of shared." Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on for the rest of the year also. All right. Um, might take us too long to get through every player and break them all down. Uh, but is there any one or two you want to mention um, at the start I, of the I season thought, here? I thought I was impressed by Emil Jefferson. I thought he was really the only guy who they trusted with the ball, with his back to the basket, and he was capable of making, you know, good shots. Um, I've always been an Emil fan. From the time yeah. he was a freshman, I didn't yeah. think – He's one of those guys I didn't think got enough minutes as a freshman. Right. Well, he was he was super skinny at the time, and he's filled out. Still skinny, but he's just like does everything. He's one of those guys. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be a really effective player. Yeah. Blocks, steals, loose balls, rebounds. Just 
and I, and I, and I think that's really important on teams to have roles. Like he, I remember with, with the 2015 national title team, you know, he was sort of the secondary big, but he could still sort of survey the landscape. I remember the, did he defend Kaminsky? He, down the yeah, he, I, I think he, he was telling the assistant coaches, he's like, guys, I can defend Kaminsky. who was sort of having a field day against Okafor. He's like, put me in the game and I'll stop him. And, he essentially did do that. Um, but another one of my favorite, Emil Jefferson. I think before was out with some foul trouble for parts of the game. So that was all. He was, before. but he also was a swinging gate defensively for the majority of the season. Um, yeah, Emil Jefferson, I think I want to go back to the Baylor game. in the. Uh, it was an Elite Eight game. It was the game that Matt Jones sank, you know, four or five threes. Like, Emil Jefferson got the ball on the block. And the defense just collapsed, not on Jefferson, but they like double teamed Okafor, who was also down low. And Jefferson was like, "What? What am I, chop liver?" And he took you know one power dribble, and then he, and he dunked it. So like, he he sort of understands his role on the team as to be sort of like that rebounding, setting picks, talking on defense, that type of guy. But when it, when he's called on it, I feel like offensively he is actually you know pretty good. Did Did you listen to the John Shire interview with Emil? I'm sure podcast. I have, but nothing really. I thought it was incredible. He's just like the energy and the enthusiasm for Duke and yeah. for the program is like just leaping out of him as he talks. And like the way he talked about missing last year and how much it killed him. Right. He could not wait to get back on the court. Couldn't wait to teach the the, the the young kids about Duke and about what it what it takes. The Duke way, the Duke tradition. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was already in love with him. I really felt more deeply in love with him. During that interview, he's got a pretty high nasally voice, doesn't he? Uh, like you hear the voice, and then you you, you feel like it's, it's it's a disconnect from what his voice should be like. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just throwing that out there. Yeah, he's like he came off like you know a tad nerdy, but nerdy is cool nowadays. So you know, step off, buddy, on a meal. Uh, look, look, Canard. I think is is uh, in line to have a pretty big year. He he's somebody who um, I felt like really struggled with his shot last year. He th- I thought he was going to be like JJ Redick kind of shooter. He wasn't last year. He he's I feel like he's a he's more of a scorer. He's sort of like a poor man's uh, Grayson Allen. Doesn't quite have the athleticism, but he's got the beautiful outside shot and he makes a lot of nifty. Doesn't quite have moves. the athleticism. Yeah, yeah. Okay, understated. <laughs> Um, but he 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 racks up a lot of points by by coming in, you know, uh, which I thought was uh, sort of surprising. Um, I, I feel like I was happy to see him shoot well from from the three. I think that's important. Like I think he got into sort of a funk uh, last year. Like he missed a bunch early on to start off the season, and he was sort of mired in the high you know twenty percent for on his three point shot, and he ended up shooting thirty two percent from threes but like if you look at his stroke if you look at his free throw shooting like he's he's like an 88 89% free throw shooter um he should obviously be shooting better from three so I would the first two games he looked a lot more a lot more comfortable I didn't look at the numbers yeah but I mean even when he was shooting last year from three I was four of eight so far I was totally happy with him taking threes um even though he was a 32% shooter it did it felt like he was running bad last year yeah yeah just sort of like chopping up to variance. Um, Speaking of point guard type skills and sharing that role, he's got eight assists in two games. Yeah, that's pretty good. Good all around player. 
Yeah, nobody talks about him. He's like, you know, he's other like, other other teams. Have, you know, we could trade him for some for some future talent in other years. I wish we could like redshirt Luke Kennard for a year or something. But you know, he's terrific. I think he's going to be great. He was, you know, Mr. Ohio. He scored more high school points than LeBron. He. What's great about him is do we not? We don't think he's going out early for the NBA, right? I don't think so. He'd have no. to take like a leap forward defensively. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll have him for three, probably most likely four years. Yeah, I wonder if his. I mean, I wonder if Coach Guy's right. He doesn't need to develop point guard skills in order to to find a place in, in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I think he's clearly going to play professional basketball for as long as he wants, but you know, he's super skilled. At the NBA level? No, not necessarily at the NBA level, but maybe um, overseas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure he could find a spot in yeah. some role in the NBA, uh, but I just don't know what that is. Yeah, I, I, I wish mean, John Shire hadn't gotten hurt, and we could have seen what his professional career might have looked like, because sort of similar, similar in terms of uh, like maybe a ceiling on athleticism, right? Uh, Luke Kennard's a much better scorer than Shire was, but Shire, and they're both very intelligent on right, court, right. good court sense. Uh, they're both winners, so glad they're on the team. Uh, Chase Jeter, we talked about his uh, his market improvement, very encouraging. And um, Matt Jones, we touched on, just super solid leader, great defender. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Matt Jones, uh, great defensively, Great team glue guy. I wish he would shoot less. Like he's an, another one of these guys who I feel like their three point shooting percentage is not representative of how they're actually going to shoot. Like he shot, he shoots pretty decent. He's a pretty good. He shot like he career. shot like forty one, forty two percent from threes last year. No, but, it looks like oh yeah, forty. Yeah, you're right. So, but I think that's a function of him being the least respected offensive player on the. On the court, so when he gets the ball, he's going to have a wide open three. You yeah, know? people slack off him. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm, I would much rather somebody else shoot a three than Matt Jones, even though it's not a terrible shot. I mean, it's it's fine. Um, that said, if he starts shooting forty five percent from three, you're going to love him shooting threes. Correct. I just don't expect it. Yeah, he's a guy that potentially might be willing to come off the bench so Frank Jackson could start if if that's appropriate. Uh, um, not that he's yeah, not that he would have the role in the decision making, but yeah. he would certainly be a, a team player in that regard. Then again, like you, you, you need his defense, need his defensive presence probably, uh, and we might have enough guys firing up shots and demanding yeah, the ball. That, so I, right, and I think that's that speaks to why he should be, you know, starting five. You want to talk about Deloria real quick and what we saw? Just seemed like a physical specimen, made some super freaky athletic plays. Um, but again, somebody who I feel like will get lost in the lost in the shuffle as the year progresses. Six boards, eight rebounds in seventeen minutes, but also four fouls. So I wonder if I wonder if he's just sort of like you know a little little too aggressive, too freshmany. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Like Tamin Demzalski is freshman year. Don't talk to me about Tamin Demzalski. He's on my all-time Duke team. <laughs> Tamin. Uh, um, all right, and uh, the last guy to talk about, I guess, is our impressions of Frank Jackson. I mean, pretty good, right? Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. And 
Yeah. See how things are progressing next week. He seemed to be, I mean, he was just very aggressive, was not shy at all about chucking up shots, and he was seemed very athletic. Um, didn't seem like a, somebody who came out of that point guard uh, mold. So I, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of chatter preseason about how the one guy we can least afford to get injured is Frank Jackson because he's really our only point guard. But, I mean, that's not really the case. It seems like... He's got six assists in 50 minutes on the court. Uh, yeah. That's the same as uh, with less than Kennard. Yeah, um, but you can't tell too much in, in two games. I just feel like with... Frank Jackson, Grayson Allen, Matt Jones, Luke Kennard, they're all going to sort of share yeah. a role in bringing up the ball. I mean, I even, They're all combo guards. I mean, Frank yeah. Jackson's supposed to be a point guard, and we just haven't seen enough of him to really know. I mean, you know. Yeah. But he... Yeah. Athletically, he looks pretty great. He's unbelievable. I mean, he won the uh, McDonald's High School Slam Dunk Contest, and he was also the MVP of the game, so we know he's a super freak athlete, and he, you know... Obviously, it provides value to his team. And earlier, you told me he reminds you of Russell Westbrook. Did you mean that? That was I was joking, but I mean everyone can have their top top you know ceiling you know dream scenario. And you know Frank, I just like Russell Westbrook didn't look amazing his freshman year. He didn't even he looked amazingly fast. His, his yeah, I agree with you that, that like he quick, might have looked a little out of control. That, that quickness, uh, with the leaping and oh, dude, he's. Okay, know, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're speed. right. But uh, what I noticed with Frank Jackson is he looked super under control. Like, very solid balance. His feet under him. You know, his mid-range jumper, it just looked very, very solid in, like, <clears throat> this controlled way. It's super important in basketball to, I, I, to have, like, yeah. controlled athleticism. Um, I agree with you there. I'm not sure that I got that same impression watching him play. I mean, I didn't think he was out of control, but I definitely didn't uh, feel... He looked strong. He looked yeah, strong. he looked strong. strong he looked athletic. He looked like he wasn't afraid to shoot from the outside. Um, when you talk about playing within yourself and playing controlled, I thought Kyrie Irving, his the nine games he played or whatever, he was phenomenal, but he was also very controlled. Uh, that's who I think of. Yeah, Kyrie doesn't show you everything he has every time down the court. He's not always in top gear. Yeah. Well, the only thing I, I, I'm not sure of, maybe I picked up that his lateral quickness, not as good as his straight, straightforward speed. You're talking about Frank Jackson? Frank Jackson, yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll see. It's a little too early to, to say much, but obviously very effective. And uh, another... I just can't wait to see these new guys. I hope they come. Me and you aren't going to have any inside information. We're pretty much just going to see the guys play and talk about what we think of them. And who knows? Why, yeah. why even speculate about when they're coming? Yeah, but I mean, we could also talk about, like, I, I don't think they're going to come back anytime soon. It doesn't look like it's about yeah. to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, from Coach K's remarks, uh, bef- like, after the Maris game, it seemed like... Um, I feel like maybe Tatum has an outside shot of playing against Kansas, but it wouldn't shock me at all if none, if none of them played. What's wrong with Bolden? Bolden has, a, okay, uh, a lower leg injury, but it's very mysterious. Uh, Coach K wouldn't talk about it. Um, these lower leg mysterious injuries, of these 
feet. Yeah, issues. I mean, like, yeah, like Co- Coach K had made some comment uh, touching on Bolden's injury, and it just sounded, you know, sort of ridiculous. Sort of like Bill Belichick give out as little information as possible. Um, but I feel like Giles, we might not see for a good while, like a good, good while. Um, I feel like well, Giles has to be the most concerned with his future because he's had a number of injuries already. Yes, uh, big injuries. Yes, his draft stock is probably you know the most yeah, in limbo despite being unbelievable if you watch the YouTube highlight reels he's like plastic man they're, they're all I mean go ahead and watch all these YouTube highlight reels if you uh, if you want to be teased for what we might have if they ever get on the court the most important thing obviously for each of these guys is that they secure the future health, as healthy basketball players right and, so, and you see it all the time you see it in the NFL in football you know guys come back early re-aggravate things yeah. like it's obvious I mean Coach K is right like obviously we want to have our best team forward come March it really doesn't I mean obviously you want to win games in November December but that's, 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 that's not even the most important thing the most yeah. important thing for these kids is that they get to play at the next level and, and get security for the rest of their lives and achieve whatever athletically they want to achieve in the NBA right so like you know unfortunately Duke's season is secondary you know it's not important it's the way it should be you know I think, you know, you never know. They might they might come back if they can't play this year. I, I think Tatum and Bolden are going to play. Relatively uh, soon, yeah. 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 I'm excited to see each of them. Excited for the season. Should be a great season. What do you think we're going to do this year? I mean, injury-dependent. What do you think we'll do if, 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 if only one of those three guys even sees the court? Are we still a top-10 team? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even the team as as it is right now, I feel like we'll, we'll probably be an underdog to Kansas. Um, you know, Kansas has two great guards. Uh, is there a who, line on the game yet? Who I there there could be now since it's since it's one day away. But um, they've got you know a couple of veteran guards. They've got Josh Jackson, um, another sort of sensational freshman who. Didn't do much his first game, but it, it seems like his his skill set matches up well with um, Jason Tatum, who unfortunately probably won't play. It says Duke's a two and a half point favorite. Can that be right? Um, it seems like it can't be right. Must be right though. Google says so. But things things skew a little bit towards Duke. You know, like they skew towards the Yankees and Patriots and the Cowboys because people like to bet them. Yeah. Yeah, we won't put too much. I mean, nobody really knows anything. Kansas is young guys. So it could be that, that we are better if these guys don't play at all against Kansas because the guys on the court are, you know, leaders and veterans. But, uh, I, I, I think we would be better if they were on the court. I mean, easily. So we're, we didn't get together to watch the first two games. We're definitely getting together to watch Kansas, right? Right. All right. Uh, great. This is fun. I don't know. I think it went all right. Yeah. What do you think? We ended up going a little longer than we wanted. Right. I think that was my fault. Uh, you know, ended up being about 50, 53 minutes. Boo. 53 minutes? That's what it says. Well, that's, that's long. But since it went 53 minutes, let me just say one other spiel and extend it a little bit further. Um, just in terms of expectations on the year, um, Pinnacle's betting odds for Duke to win the national title was about plus 330. 
to, to win the national championship. Before a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, it, it sort of held steady all throughout preseason. So, I mean, if, so if you're not a betting person, that basically means we're about somewhere between 20 and 25% to win it all. And that is pretty comparable to the great Kentucky team of, of 2015. Um the team that almost almost went well, not going into the, not going into the tournament though they were going into the tournament. They were maybe they were even two money. Uh, no, I, money. I don't think they were even money. I think they were maybe even money going into the final four, or I think they were faves. But I think they were favorite. I think going into the tournament, they were maybe two to one to win it all. But basically, we were at that Wisconsin Kentucky game. We we're at the final four that, that, that year. It was a great game. That was an all timer. I, I actually couldn't believe that uh, Kentucky lost. They were just. All so long, so athletic, such great defenders. Um, but I think that speaks to Wisconsin's offense. You know, Wisconsin had a mission. They had a game plan and a mission. And the Kentucky guys all just, they were all floating, you know. And it wasn't until they got down towards the end, they were like, let's get the ball to Towns. You could tell. They, and then they came back, you know, but it was such a great game. Right, right. But that's the problem with Duke this year, maybe. Too many guys, too much talent. The guys, you know, who know their mission are the, are the, are the seniors, you know, and the juniors, and Luke Kennard maybe. But the freshmen, they don't know yet. Yeah. And that's what was special about Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow is they I, – I feel like, you know, with this team and especially with Coach K teams, I mean, those roles are going to be defined. You know, with that Kentucky team, they had a starting five, then they had the second five, and then they just switched off every, you know, however many – Many minutes. There were just a, there was two almost two separate teams. They didn't need game plans. They were so good. They didn't even need a game plan. You know. Um, I mean, not that they didn't do any prep. Yeah. But it, it felt as if when you listen to Calipari and his little halftime interviews, like it was just like you know they're just so like he was. Playing. I'm Keith Hernandez, and yeah, you know, like was, Coach K never, never Coach K teams never have the luxury of feeling like that because even if you are that talented. He's going to put everybody to the test. He knows how to motivate people. So I guess I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Then again, the 99 team. Team crushed us. <laughs> 99 team going to that UConn game is an example. Like that To me, that's like the Kentucky-Wisconsin game from two years ago, where UConn had a mission, specialized role players, and you know, really just a better team concept than we had, even though we had Elton Brand, Corey McGetty, Shane Battier, Trajan Langdon. Will Avery. Yeah. Nate. Chris Chris Burgess was actually the best recruit out of all of those guys. Nate James. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we had a great year, not to shit on it, but in that game at least, they knew exactly what they were doing. And we didn't. We didn't have as much practice in close games all year. Yeah. So. But the, the point I'm making is, is just that uh, for Duke Nation at least, everyone's expectations are, are going to be so high. For this particular team, um, yeah, that we're talking about them, and yeah, even I mean, mentioning these other teams, they haven't proven anything. Yeah, yet. people are just saying, yeah. you know, we're going to go forty and zero, we're going to win Coach K six, blah blah blah. But I think if everybody was healthy, know, those expectations might even be somewhat fair. Yeah, but the fact that the three highest draft picks aren't playing should temper. Now it just seems like we're one of these pretty talented, sort of like uh, effort teams. More, more than just super talent, like you know. Yeah, I, I feel like Kansas. The the game against Kansas will tell us a lot. Um, I have a feeling we're going to see six guys, and I have a feeling that a lot of these guys are going to be playing the entire game. 
Um, and against that Kansas backcourt, I feel like it's going to be a pretty big challenge. That, that'll be a big problem. I mean, it just goes to show you, I mean, you're going to get tired. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get tired. And I think we've seen that repeatedly in February and March where our teams are gassed because we pretty much go seven, sometimes eight. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, I think that Kansas game will, will show us a lot. Okay. I think there's a chance Frank Jackson, Frank Jackson starts this game. Uh, no, I mean, always a chance, but I yeah. would be shocked. All right, cool. Well, uh, go Duke. Go Duke. And, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right.